Others of you groan inside and say, here's a beat down of how I fail to measure up again. And others of you of the male variety say, I've been waiting for this and my wife needs to be reminded of this. I want to tell you that you're all wrong on different levels. And I trust, though, that this morning the Holy Spirit will give you a fresh perspective and this passage will strengthen your marriages rather than bring discouragement uh, through God's strengthening grace. It's important to know as we look in this chapter of Proverbs chapter 31 that this book, of course, was written by, written by Solomon to his son about wise living in a fallen world. And Solomon shows how God's truth applies to all the categories of life. He writes about anger. He writes about children. He writes about contentment. He writes about courage. He writes about money, honesty, generosity and giving, especially to the poor. Humility. Justice, particularly to those who are the oppressed. Work, the art of neighboring, patience, and of course marriage. And the original audience intended for the book of Proverbs was young men. In fact, Solomon's writing specifically to his son. Being shaped for leadership in both the royal court and the godly home. And naturally, such men, of course, would be mostly husbands or husbands-to-be and enter Proverbs chapter 31. You see, the chapter 31 of Proverbs isn't written to women. It's written to young men. And the theme of wisdom in this whole book of Proverbs builds up to a virtuous wife as the climax of wisdom. Interesting, in the book of Proverbs, um, Solomon uses a woman as the epitome of wisdom. Lady Wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8. Many of these categories that I just mentioned, children, contentment, courage, money, money, honesty, etc., show up in this very section as you look closely at the passage. And she, in Proverbs 31, is a clear representation of a life of wisdom on God's planet. And by the way, it's to no coincidence that the book of Ruth follows the book of Proverbs in the Hebrew order of the Bible. Because Ruth was an example of strength and resourcefulness and loyalty. Proverbs 31 then is a poem, actually, verses 10 through 31 is a poem that's based on the order of the Hebrew alphabet. It's called an acrostic. And um, uh, if you can put up the slide there of, of how the, the structure of this poem goes, uh, I, I think you'll, 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 you'll see this here. Each verse begins with the next Hebrew letter in the order of the alphabet. The way it's laid out, for those of you who are curious, is called a chiasm. And a chiasm in Hebrew poetry works like this. It starts with a, with a thought that is connected, the first thought is connected to the last thought. And there's parallels in between. And it reaches its climax in letter H there, the public respect for her husband. And this is how the poem is laid out. And so... The important points to get out of Proverbs 31 is the high value of a good wife. Repeated twice at the beginning and the end of the poem in this Hebrew acrostic poem. Also, the amazing benefits that a wife like the Proverbs 31 woman gives to the marriage and the home. Obviously, she was a woman who worked hard. At the end, these things are repeated. But this morning, I want to speak to you about several W's 
that break down the categories and topics of this woman in Proverbs chapter 31. And I want us to, first of all, work through the passage. And then I want to show you why this isn't just for ladies. This is for, really, ultimately, men. Proverbs chapter 31. Please let me read this, this section. And verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth the field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hand she planteth the vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good, her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretched out her hands, she stretched out her hand to the poor, yea, she reached forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are covered with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is a law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up, and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, and we ask that your spirit would write its truth upon our hearts. We pray that you would build up uh, marriages this morning through this text. <clears throat> and our husbands represented here would see re- responsibilities. Uh, that you have given them as well. Lord, thank you for your grace that empowers us to live according to your will. And I pray, Lord, this would not simply be a message of more and more law, but it would be evident of your sustaining and strengthening grace. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who you have given a bride to, your church. And thank you, Lord, for his loving care and the way He nourishes and cherishes us. Lord, I thank You for your kind, the kindness that He's showed to us in bringing us off the slave auction of sin into a loving relationship with You. Present her before His Father. I ask that You indeed would work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may hear these things and say, Yeah, right. (laughs) Except in the last respect here, her worship in verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman for prices of far above rubies? And then in verse 30, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. This lady's standard is not implied to be within the reach of everybody. It's very obvious because it presupposes that unusual gifts and opportunities and material resources. This is showing the fullest flowering 
of the domestic life. And is showing that it is not a petty or restricted area of life. And this woman here is shown in all her power, her quiet, humble power and her great achievements, in her nurture and her production, and also in the things behind the scenes that you do not see that she contributed to, such as, in verse 23, her contribution to the name of the home, the family. This woman is obviously diligent. She has a keen sense for business matters. Uh, She's compassionate. You see, first of all, her worth. Her worth. In verse 10, it says she is more precious than rubies. In verse 10. She's a rare individual. She is clothed, in verse 25, with strength and dignity. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. In other words, she shall rejoice in times to come means she has no fear of the future. She has no fear of the future. And verse 29, Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. She surpasses all other women. Her worth. Her worth. But secondly, notice her works. She has works with her family, and she has works with her finances, and she has works with the less fortunate. First of all, her works with her family. In verse 13, she provides them with proper clothing. In verse 21, she finds wool and flax and spins it, turns plants into clothes. It's amazing. She plans meals in her day in verse 14 and 15. She brings food from afar. No, she couldn't go down to Hanford's. She brought food from afar and gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast. Took a while to prepare breakfast. She is tireless in her work in verses 17 through 19. She's a hard worker looking for bargains and working late into the night. She cares for and watches over the entire household. Verse 22, makes herself coverings of tapestry in her home. Her clothing is silk and purple. And verse 27, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. She's tireless. She's a hard worker. She makes her own clothes and bed spreads. Not everybody. One has that ability, I understand that. That her works are not only with her family, but also with her finances. In verse 16 it says, She considereth the field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She plants with the vineyard. She buys and sells property. She plants vineyards with her earnings. In verse 24, she makes and sells belted linen garments and sashes. And then she works with the less fortunate. You see, she is not just concerned about her family. She is a person who is always concerned about others. In verse 20 it says, She layeth out her hands to the poor, yet she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She's the epitome of wisdom here that has beckoned us to take special notice of the poor and care for them. She, the, the woman of Proverbs 31 reminds us what it means to be a person who not only cares for her nuclear family, but cares for the community outside of her family. And last Sunday evening we looked at this in 1 Timothy 5. The women that Paul honors in the church in Ephesus are the ones who have washed the saints' feet. The ones who have watched strangers. The ones who have cared for their family. So they have a domestic quality, but also they're concerned about the public community as well. Because she simply loves her neighbor. And she's not selfish. But not only her worth and her works, but notice thirdly, her words. 
her words. Look in verse 26. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Her words of instruction are two things. They are wise and they are kind. They are wise and they are kind. Her words are used to build people up, to build up a community, to build up her family, not to tear them down. And fourthly, notice her witnesses. Her witnesses. Those who observe her life, what do they say? Well, first of all, her husband. Verse 11. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. Her husband, he trusts her. She greatly enriches the life of the family. And verse 12. Her husband knows she helps him. Now, Solomon did not put um, verse 12 in this passage uh, without connecting it to the husband. It says, She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She will not hinder what they are working towards. And then in verse 23, he says, Hey, husbands, hey, husbands, you can't do this without her. You can't build your reputation. You can't uh, be what you need to be without this kind of a woman. He says in verse 23, Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. He's respected among the city elders. So first witness is her husband. The second witness is in verse 28, her children. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also when he prays with her. They together stand and bless her. In other words, they thank God for this kind of a woman in their home. And thirdly, not only the family, but her works are noticed by the community. And in verse 31 it says she is publicly praised. It says, give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Public praise. And so this woman's character is noticed in her worth, in her works, in her words, in these witnesses. And now, fifthly, her worship in verse 30. Her worship. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. A woman that fears Yahweh shall be praised. He's not saying that favor is bad and, and, and beauty is bad. He's putting them in proper perspective. He's saying ultimately what really, really counts is that a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. She fears and she reverences God. You might be wondering, what does it mean to fear God? And very simply, it means to take God seriously. It means to take God and His Word seriously. So, she is diligent. She has a keen sense for business matters. She's compassionate. She's prepared for the future. She's a good teacher. She's dedicated to her family. And above all, she possesses this characteristic of biblical wisdom, the fear of the Lord, which is one of the, one of the underlying themes of Proverbs chapter uh, of the book of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And really, what... The the writer Solomon is saying is that she is no less than the woman wisdom made real and manifest. The riches that the woman of wisdom in chapter 8, verse 18, offers are brought home here to the hard work of this woman. And so Proverbs, all throughout this book, has had this theme, this drumbeat over and over, and now it's coming full circle. And it began by saying that the young man must embrace this ideal of the woman of wisdom in order to have a fulfilling life. And, he, and, and Psalm portrays wisdom as this woman who is beckoning him to follow her ways. 
And now here it ends by saying that one needs a good wife to achieve this goal ultimately. The young man has no choice but to follow either the woman of folly or the woman of wisdom. He will either pursue the woman of wisdom or the woman of folly, and he will, with them, take with their, them their counterparts. We saw the counterpart of the wisdom of the woman of folly last time, the 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 prostitute. The woman of wisdom is the good wife. Whoever finds a good wife finds a good thing. And he cannot attain wisdom in this realm of the home without the good wife because she creates the environment in which they flourish. If he chooses the strange woman, he has little hope of transcending the, 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 the life that she will make for him. And so wisdom is not simply a matter of just learning rules and precepts, but it's a matter of relationships. It's a matter of relationships. We know this in our families. First of all, you, you, you learn your relationships in your family growing up, and then in your marriage, it takes it to a whole new level, doesn't it? You'll also notice that here, wisdom is rooted in God's creation in Genesis 1 and chapter 2. Genesis 1 and 2. The woman in Genesis 2.18 is the fitting helper. Uh, um, who, who, the, who the man will turn to and cling, turn from his parents and cling to her. That is, he will go from the world created by his parents to the world made by his wife. Sure, he is their head, but he is dependent on her if he's to attain the status of elder in the gates in the Hebrew world. And so, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is not just things we know in our head. It is first of all displayed in our relationships, learned in our relationships, and lived out in our relationships. First of all, our vertical relationship. A man must fear Yahweh. He must heed his parents, and then he must find the good wife. And these gifts from God. Now obviously, in Proverbs chapter 31, this is a description of a well-ordered home that wisdom carries out. And this woman is a role model. She's very clearly a high-capacity woman. But everybody can live up to these expectations here. Or goals to strive towards. But it's interesting that in verse 10, where it says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Verse 10, that virtuous woman, translated in other translations as an excellent wife, can be translated more literally, a woman of strength. A woman of strength. When the Greeks translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, they even rendered the phrase as a manly woman. And what they meant by that is that this woman is strong. She's strong. How so? Well, look all throughout the passage here. She, the poem goes on to say she works hard, she makes money, she's kind to the poor, she's fearless about the future, she enhances her husband's reputation, she speaks with wisdom, etc. But verse 17 sums it up. Look it. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strength. Strong. Now, very important to understand that she is not doing this separated from her husband. She is not using her strengths and abilities to clash. She is not driven by an identity crisis or treating her marriage as a matter of politics. No, she's more mature than that because she's wise. She is giving herself away to her husband, her family, and her community with selflessness. And the Bible says that 
She is far more precious than rubies. In verse 11, it says, The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that ye shall have no need of spoil. Her husband will have no lack of gain. Or gain, spoil. can be translated loot, plunder, the spoils of war. Now why would Solomon say something about the spoils of war in marriage? Because life is a struggle. And this woman is not living in an ideal environment. You have to understand. She's living in the real world, but she is not a free. She's up to the challenge, and her accomplishments declare uh, uh, where her identity is rooted. And it is no wonder that her husband trusts her. Her husband feels honored to be her husband. He doesn't introduce people and say, this is my wife. He introduces himself as, I'm the husband of this individual. The woman that God gave him is his greatest earthly treasure. In fact, there's only one person this husband trusts more than his wife, and this wife trusts more than her husband, and that is God himself. David has written about trust and trusting in the Lord, and trust the Lord with all your heart, I'm sure was passed on to Solomon as he wrote that in Proverbs 3, verse 5. But here we read in verse 11 that the heart of her husband trusts in her. And that's a remarkable thing if you stop and think about it. There is a level here of closeness and intimacy and belonging and connection and dependence and vulnerability that can be experienced safely with this one. Without betrayal. Only because of the one flesh union Genesis chapter 2 talks about of marriage. A wife who has proven her worth and has kept such profound trust, truly is, in verse 10, an excellent wife, a virtuous woman. Now, as we said, the original audience of the book of Proverbs was young men being shaped for leadership in both the royal court and the godly home. But naturally, such men were either going to be husbands-to-be or husbands-already. And we men need to know this, that a wife does not grow in these goals to this level of magnificence on her own, a wife like that usually has a supportive husband behind her. After all, what does the word husband mean? Well, we have the related English word husbandry. And husbandry is, 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 is the idea of farming. And farmers are, are people who are cultivation experts. They grow things. And when the English word husband is used as a verb saying we husband, it means to cultivate. So here is the husband's privilege and responsibility. He is to cultivate and nurture his wife to her full potential. For God's kingdom, not his. And a wise husband's lifetime impact on his wife is that he, uh, uh, through his nurturing, helps her to reach the magnificent woman, the excellent wife, the virtuous woman that God made her to be. How does he do that? Here's how he does not do that by browbeating his wife. God doesn't treat us that way. But rather he does it by encouraging her. Look again in verse 28 through 31. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Her children rise up 
They stand up. They speak respectfully to their mother. Some of your mom saying, I'm waiting for that day, right? Here. They tell her why they love and admire her. But where did the children learn that? From their father. Because look at verse 28 says, Her husband and he praiseth her. From their father. You understand that her husband is their children's father, right? The key word in these verses is praise. It appears three times in verses 28 through 31. In other words, a wise husband cultivates his wife by setting a tone that is elevated of praise. Life-giving praises from, yes, your tongues. Not just your thoughts. And the, and, the, and, the, and the wise sage, Solomon here, he is painting a picture of the excellent wife who is selflessly giving herself to her family and to others, and she is receiving praise from, first of all, her husband. And her children who model that after her husband, and even from the community in the gates. And so you have this biblical vision of a wise marriage that behind it you have this woman who is, who is, uh, who is reaching her potential, who is everything that God has made her to be, and her husband is building her up so that she flourishes in private and in public. And so it's why in the New Testament God gives passages to the early church and to us like Colossians chapter 3. Which says in verse 19, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Do you know what words will come out of your mouth if you're bitter against your wife? If you hold resentment and grudges against her? Not these kinds of words in Proverbs 31, 28-31. Not those kinds of words. Words that tear down and words that are like uh, 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 acid that just corrupt and disintegrate her life. That's why in the parallel passage in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 6, 9, that, that uh, household code passage, he says to husbands, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify her, set it apart, set her apart, the church, and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. And he says, on the basis of this, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For he remembers of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. His point is that the role of a husband is to nourish and cherish his wife. Here's the good news. Jesus loves us enough to empower us to do God's will. High standards, but Jesus loves us enough to empower us to do God's will. 
Jesus forgives. He is gracious. He tenderly loves. He provides what we need to fill our roles. And this morning, there are men in here who need to repent of how you have treated your wife. How you have kept her back from her God-given potential. How your selfishness and pride and overbearing control have squelched the gleam of the ruby that God has given you and you need to repent and ask God for forgiveness and to change your heart and to place the queen He has given you on the pedestal you're supposed to have. Because you have taken her for granted and you have not been a good steward of the precious gift that God has delivered you. And while Jesus is our model and our example, men, I also want to remind wives that your husband will not perfectly represent Jesus in this life. And you should not look to him to be Jesus for you. But build him up and pray for him and honor him. There are wives also represented in this room who have excelled at tearing down their spouse and holding back in bitterness rather than fearing the Lord and blooming where he has placed you. But the good news for all of us in our imperfect marriages is that God in Jesus has perfectly loved us and He has showered upon us grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing, power upon power to us. He has given us clear truth to walk in God's ways and fresh mercy and fresh forgiveness to claim each day when we fall short in our sin because of His cross and empty tomb. He is our strength. And He has sent His Holy Spirit to surge through these weak bodies, to surge through our weakness as we surrender to Him. And it is because of Jesus that our Father in Heaven sees us as His Son's righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 And He loves us Furiously and specifically and intensely, and He will not hold back any good thing that is good for us. And He loves to be asked for help, and He will always give us what is according to His truth. And so, a passage like Proverbs 31 is certainly designed to expose our weaknesses and to get us on our knees and say, Lord, I need help as a husband to empower my wife and to treat her in the proper way. Or wise to say, Lord, I need help in the task that you've called me to do today. To reach your potential in what you've called me to do. To be faithful in these little things. Whatever it might be. So go this morning, not the same husbands and wives. But changed. Changed to be the husband or the wife in your setting that God has called you to be according to His truth and His Word. And be changed because of the love of God and the grace and mercy provided by His Son, and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Wherever it is this morning that the Lord has showed you places in your specific context, in your lives, in your relationships, that you need to get right. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. I'd like you to call upon the Lord and ask for His help, ask for His forgiveness. You might need to have a conversation with your spouse uh, later on today.
about these very things uh, this morning in our marriage class. Uh, we looked at um, the idols of the heart again and the things that uh, can dominate our, our thinking. And, and we can look at people wrongly as vehicles that get us to our kingdom or obstacles in the way of our kingdom instead of God's kingdom. Whatever it may be, where the Holy Spirit has pricked your heart, He has reminded you of where you fall short, ask for His forgiveness, repent, ask for His grace and His filling to do His will as husbands and wives today. Father, we pray this morning and stand before You as the chief offender. Uh, So many times we take for granted the gifts that You give us. We do not nurture them. We are not good stewards of the wonderful gifts and people You have placed in our lives. And Lord, I pray that husbands and wives this morning would grow in dependence upon You to do the great calling that You've called us to do. What we described this morning is rare in our world today. And many times, our gospel is the loudest display, or our marriage is the loudest display of the gospel to the watching world that we have. And Lord, we know that a strong church needs to be built up with strong homes, and those strong homes need to be built up in strong marriages. This morning we also ask prayer and strength for our singles. There are some singles who have not been called to marriage, and there are some singles who are not married yet, but will be. And Lord, I ask that um, Your Holy Spirit would work in hearts to accomplish and shape us and form us and shave off in our lives what is not conforming to the image of Jesus, whatever it may be. Lord, we know from James 4 and our study this morning in Sunday school that the quarrels, the fights, the conflicts are not because ultimately the other person, they're because of the wrong desires that we have in our own hearts. We ask that we would surrender our passions, our desires, our wants to Your will. Your kingdom would come and Your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in this spiritual sense. Thank You, Lord, for Your kindness to us and bringing us over to the mirror of Your Word, polishing it off, letting us see what is out of place, what is out of step with Your will, and by the water of Your Word, and by the blood of Jesus, in whom we find redemption, washing us in that, and with Your strong hands, forming us and molding us to the image of Your precious Son, whom You've united us. We ask that Your glory would be our greatest pursuit and our desire. That the marriages in South Hope Community Church would be ones that are rare in our community and the world can say, God is at work in their lives. And give us opportunity to speak of how You have changed us. How You have stripped away our selfishness 
and put in its place living for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.